Well, as you can see this morning, we're beginning a new series together, a Journey to the Cross. And over the next few weeks, we're going to see some of the major events that took place once Jesus decided that, that uh, well, more than that, once God the Father set the time, Jesus knew that he needed to get to the cross. And we're going to look at some of the major events that took place on his journey to the cross. That's all going to wrap up on Good Friday, and we will have a Good Friday service that evening. And uh, we'll see him, hear him, think about him on the cross on Good Friday. So I'm, I'm excited about it, eager to begin our journey together. Uh, the journey to the cross. If you have your copy of scripture or if you can open up the basic Bible app, look with me in Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. We're going to begin uh, where Savannah started us in verse 51. Luke 9, we're going to start at verse 51. Luke does a great job of telling us Jesus' story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, are called Gospels. And we call them Gospels because they tell the story of Jesus. The word Gospel means good news. So those four books tell us Jesus' story. Well, Luke goes into uh, some, some specific details that we miss in some of the other Gospels. He does a great job of telling the stories. And in Luke, as the other Gospels, we, we realize that Jesus uh, was born, grew. It wasn't until he was about 30 years old that he started his ministry. Around 30 years old, he starts his ministry primarily in the region of Galilee. Now, Galilee is kind of north on the map. If you, if you can think about that part of the world, there is the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River runs down into the Dead Sea. Galilee is up by the Sea of Galilee. Jerusalem is in Judah, which is down by the Dead Sea. So Jesus has spent his, uh, most of his ministry in Galilee and now he's going to begin a journey that's going to take him down to Jerusalem. And we're going to look at what happens along the way. Now, in that journey, he goes, he comes and goes to Galilee a few times. It's not a direct path. The journey that we're going to look at takes a, a few months. He has been ministering for about two years, give or take, in the Galilee area. And we're going to look at the last months of his life, a little less than the last year of his life as we, uh, as we begin our journey together. So it's, that journey would take days, not months. So there's a lot of, he does a lot of different things back up in Galilee and down and back up and around. And, we, and we're going to follow him as he does. We're going to begin this morning at verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. The journey begins with determination. 
you see that it says that when, when the days drew near for him to be taken up. Often through the, the Gospels, we have heard Jesus say to his followers, my time is not yet come. The hour is not yet here. His disciples would try to push him to, to do big things or great things so that everyone would catch on to who he was. And Jesus would say, no, guys, back off. The time's not right. But now, in this verse, the entire book of Luke hinges, it changes. From Luke verse, chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to 950, it's about how Jesus came. It's all about how he arrived, who he was, how the, how the disciples recognized him as Messiah. It is in this chapter that we hear Peter say for the first time that anyone said it out loud. He was the first one to say, you're the Christ, you're Messiah, the one God sent. We also see in this same chapter that Peter, James, and John got to go on the mountaintop and see the transfiguration as, as uh, Jesus' glory was revealed to them. And they saw him not just as the son of a carpenter, but, but they saw him in his glory. And then things change. Instead of talking about who he was and how he came, now for the rest of the book, Luke is going to talk about why he came, and he's going to talk about his going. His going to Calvary and going back to heaven. And that's what he's referencing in verse 51, when the days drew near for him to be taken up. It's a reference to the ascension. Now, there are a lot of folks like to debate what that means to be taken up. And some feel like it just refers to going to Jerusalem. It says it's time for him to go to Jerusalem. Anytime anybody traveled from anywhere to Jerusalem, the Bible says they went up to Jerusalem. And it didn't matter if you were traveling from south or north or what. If you went to Jerusalem, they said you went up. Well, part of that's because it's up on a hill, but also part of it was a way to recognize the holiness of that place. No matter where you were, you weren't in a place as good as Jerusalem. You had to go up to Jerusalem. So it might be that when it says that the time for him to, was to be taken up might be referring to his going to Jerusalem. It might also refer to when they put him on the cross. That a similar phrase is used in John when he says, if I be lifted up from the earth, meaning if I'm put on the cross, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to me, is what he said. And so it might be taken up is to be lifted up and put on the cross. However, this phrase is used in the book of Acts four different times to refer to his ascension. After he came to Jerusalem, then he died on the cross, then he was buried in the tomb, he came back to life, and then 40 days after he came back, after they recognized he had come back to life, he ascended, he went back to heaven. So most likely that's what Luke is referring to. He's tying that whole story together. Jesus, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. The time is now for him to do his thing. 
The purpose for his coming has arrived. And so he says, when the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to Jerusalem. That idiom to set his face is, is one that we don't use much anymore, but for them, it was a, it was a very clear message that means he was determined. His face was set. He knew where he was going. How do you, what does it mean to set your face? Well, if I want to go to those doors over there, I'm not going to look that way and walk over there. If I want to go to those doors, I'm going to look that direction. The idea is you set your face in the direction that you're headed. And so he said, it says that he set his face to Jerusalem. From this moment on, Jesus is on his way to the cross of Calvary. For nine chapters, Luke has been covering the first 32 years of Jesus' life. Now, he's going to finish the book. He's going he's to take the rest of the whole book of Luke. And let's look real quick. Luke ends in 24 chapters. So he's going to go 14 chapters and just going to cover a few months. Because the journey to the cross is that important. The journey to the cross tells us of the reason that Jesus came. In Luke chapter 13, at verse 33, we would see if we were to turn over there just a few pages, where Jesus says, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following. For it cannot be that the prophets should perish away from Jerusalem. In other words, he says, I know that I'm going to die in Jerusalem. And I've got to get there. So I'm determined today and tomorrow and the day after that, my point, my purpose, my journey is to the cross. The prophet, many, many years before, prophet Isaiah spoke as the as messiah through prophecy he spoke the words as if he were messiah and isaiah said in 50 the lord god has opened my ear i was not rebellious i turned not backward in other words jesus heard his father say now is time now understand the power of that timing because what we learn in the book of Revelation is that God had planned before he even built the world, before the foundation of the world, God had planned that his son would come and be the lamb, to be the sacrifice, to pay the penalty for human sin. That had been the plan from the beginning. And then thousands and thousands of years go and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're longing and we're looking and then finally Messiah comes. And then finally, God says, let's fulfill the plan. Let's complete the purpose. Let's get this done. He set his face to Jerusalem. The Lord has opened my ear. Jesus says, I heard what God, told, God the Father told me. And I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. 
I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. He goes on to say in the next verse, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. Jesus knew what would happen when he got there. I think it's important for us to understand that. Jesus knew what would happen before he got there. A few months, many months, just shy of a year here, he tells his disciples, I got to go. He set his face. And through the prophet Isaiah, we know what that means, that phrase, set his face. It means that Jesus knew that they would strike him in the back, that they would spit on him and pull out his beard. He knew he was headed for execution. And he began his journey because God said, it's time. Now understand that while this seems shocking to us, the disciples had heard it before. They probably didn't catch it, but they had heard it. Twice in the same chapter, he had already told them. If you still have your copy of Scripture open, back up with me to verse 22 of this chapter. Luke 9 and 22. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. This is almost a year before it happens. He tells the disciples exactly what's going to happen. It's important that you and I understand Jesus knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He knew why he was going and he knew what was going to happen when he got there. It's important that we understand that because Jesus made an intentional, determined journey. He set his face to Jerusalem. His plan was to get to the cross on our behalf. While we're still in this chapter, jump down to 44. You hear him say it again. Let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. So make no mistake, he, he, was, he told them twice what would happen. His, his face was set. He was determined. Understand that what happened to Jesus on the cross was not an accident. It was the plan. It's fun sometimes to debate who is responsible for Jesus' death on the cross. As some would say, the Sanhedrin or the Jewish leaders they held false trials. They, they falsely accused him. They twisted the system to get him in trouble. They turned him over to the Romans on false pretenses. So the Jews are responsible for Jesus' death. But others would say, oh, it was the Roman soldiers who actually carried it out. They could have said no. But they took him and they beat him and they put him on that cross. They put the nails in his flesh. It's the soldiers who are responsible. Someone else would say, but it's Pilate's responsibility. He was the dude in charge. And as the guy in charge, he could have said, stop it. But instead, he didn't even have a spine and he just, he just washed his hands and pretended he didn't know. Pilate's responsible. But ultimately, 
None of those arguments hold water when we see that all the way back in Luke 9, Jesus says three times, I'm going to go and die. And he's very specific about some of the events. What that means is when you ask who is responsible for Jesus' death on the cross, you may not like the answer. On one level, who's responsible for Jesus' death on the cross is us. Because it was our sin that he was paying for. On another level, and this is going to be tough for a second, who was responsible for Jesus' death on the cross? God Almighty. It was his plan from the beginning. It was his timing, his son. Verse 51 makes it clear. His death was no accident. He wasn't just caught up in a murderous plot. There was not just a miscarriage of justice. It was God's plan and Jesus' purpose. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. John records a couple of times that Jesus prepared his disciples for that as well. In John 10, he said, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. Listen to what he says. You see how he takes responsibility? I lay down my life. And then to make sure we heard it, he says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus died on a cross because he laid down his life because that was the Father's plan, period. Jesus could have wiped out the entire Roman army had he chosen to. Jesus could have knocked the Sanhedrins out of existence if he wanted to. He died because that was the plan. He laid down his life. No one takes it from me, he says, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. My dad told me this was the plan. And then later in John, he says a verse that we often take out of context. We often use this in a way that isn't exactly accurate. But what he said was about himself. Jesus says, greater love has no one than the love I have for you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We begin the journey today. And I want you to hear, I want you to understand that our journey as we follow him, we're following him to the cross. That was the plan, the purpose, the reason for his coming all along. It didn't just happen. His face was set because he was determined to make his way to Jerusalem, even though he knew what waited him there. He knew he would die, and he knew it would not be a quick death. In Luke chapter 18, a little bit later in the same gospel, 
He pulls the twelve aside and he says to them, See, we're going to Jerusalem. And everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, will be mocked, shamefully treated, spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus told them before they ever got to town exactly what was going to happen. That tells us he's in charge, friends. As we join him on this journey to Calvary, keep that in mind. He's in charge. He set his face to Jerusalem. He laid down his life. He knew what was going to happen when he got there. He knew even specific details of it, and yet he chose to obey the Father and to come through for us. What an amazing Savior we have. Just incredible to me. The love that he showed would, would, be, would, would overwhelm us had he just been taken in through a miscarriage of justice, had he been tortured and killed just because they were bad people and yet he went through with it, that love would be enough. But imagine the love that would see it ahead of time, know it, to put it into plan, to, to bring it all to fruition and still set his face determined to accomplish it. That's amazing love. No greater love has any man than this that he would lay down his life See, that's not, just, that's not just when something bad happened. That's when he took initiative, he laid it down. Greater, no greater love is there than one who would lay down his life for his friends. Earlier in this chapter, they saw his glory in the, in the, the transfiguration on the mountaintop. But they saw the glory that was not yet possible. Because before the crown, there has to be the cross. And before the glory, there has to be the suffering. Before the exaltation, there has to be the humiliation. At this point in the text, they have watched him live and they've learned from his life. Now they're going to watch him die. And they need to understand his death. And so do we. The plan for this morning was to cover verses 51 through 62. There are two more points to go. But quite honestly, I'm not sure that anything else needs to be said because I think you and I need to camp out here for a minute and we need to let this resonate with us. Jesus set his face to Jerusalem fully aware of everything that was going to happen there. And he did it anyway. And not one of us. I don't care how you vote. I don't care how much money you have. 
I don't care what color your skin is or what language you speak. Not one of us is worthy of that kind of love. 